be very cognizant of what your customer is looking for. And Peter, you really shared it. What business are we in? It's the people business. Do we take time to reach out and find out not just what they need from a business aspect, but what they need from a human aspect? Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Do you think of yourself as a salesperson? Do you subscribe to the notion that we all are in sales? Would you like some easy tips and techniques to improve your sales process? Should you aspire to become a rainmaker for your firm or organization? Ed, the Rainmaker Robinson, my guest today, has been a business growth advisor and sales trainer for over 30 years. He's consulted, coached, and spoken to thousands of audiences and hundreds of businesses in more than 30 countries and multiple industries. Ed has helped facilitate many organizations' growth in leadership and business development and sales with focused projects to improve performance and productivity. The CEO of Robinson Performance Group, his company provides business growth strategies and leadership skills to organizations worldwide, transforming professionals to brainmakers. Ed has authored several books, Four Giant Steps to Leadership, From Fighting the Storm to Dancing in the Rain, and The Million Dollar Rainmaker Series, a parable about developing new business. Ed's latest product is Rainmaking Strategies for Success, a sales and marketing system with a proven track record for teaching sales professionals how to close more business. And here's a little secret about Ed. He refers to himself as, wait for it, wait for it, a recovering CPA. That's right. Ed started his career as a CPA. Now, the term rainmaker and CPA in the same sentence seems somewhat out of sorts. However, Ed shares how he transformed himself from a CPA to a rainmaker, and it's a fascinating story. Being an entrepreneur who understands and appreciates sales, I picked up several nuggets in this interview that I'm applying to my business today. Before we get to the interview, let's take care of a few housekeeping items. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, 
also known as the accidental accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Now, let's get to the interview with Ed the Rainmaker Robinson. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Man, is this going to be a fun episode? And you're going to learn a lot because I have Mr. Ed Robinson, otherwise known as the Rainmaker, as my guest today. And Ed, first and foremost, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with me. Peter, it's an absolute joy. Thanks for inviting me. And I look forward to being part of your show today. So I kind of knew you over the last few years to NSA. Mm-hmm. And somebody said he was a CPA. And I went, okay. But the word rainmaker and CPA together, I went, what? It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, that, that's like, doesn't seem to jive together. So I'm, I'm curious. I, I know that when you, when you graduate from Walsh University with a county degree, where did you start your career off at? I actually started off with oil and gas. I worked for Union Oil. Okay. out of um, um, Chicago. So I started off in that space. I had interviewed with Ernst and Ernst at the time and um, had family up in Chicago and I wanted to kind of get out of Ohio at that point in time, primarily to get away from family. But um, so I, I went and took um, the union old job and we that was the beginning of my career. I went from there and then um, slid back over to Ohio and worked with National Cash Register for a while. So I've okay. always been in corporate accounting um, as a controller okay. uh, until I started my own practice back in 1984 sometime. Wow. So you started practice in 1984. As I've researched, I've had a blast learning more about you. The thing that I, you get it. And it's something that I've been talking about for a long time, but, but, but you get it as well, is technical skills will only get you so far in life. You, you really pegged my whole purpose for existence, Peter, <laughs> uh, because I, I work primarily with professional service groups, uh, specifically accounting, and we get to where we've gone through our formal education, where we can dot the I's, cross the T's, do the math, we get technically competent such that we become comfortable in that space of doing the accounting or the technical side. Right. And technical ability is fantastic. However, technical ability alone will not get you on the fast track 
if you will, to growing your career and raising what within your organization. And I know when they first asked me, when I was working in public accounting, I was asked to start being a rainmaker, start selling, start doing, start um, meeting people out there so that I can help bring in clients to the firms that I was working with. And that was a shock to my system. And I realized it's not as shocking if you have a simple system to make it happen. Let's get to that simple system here in just a second. What was it about you that the partners in the firm or the people in the organization said, we want Ed to go, to go bring in business. We want him to go out and skin it and we'll, we'll do the rest. I think the main skill set was the ability to be customer focused because whether I was doing technical skills or doing calculations or helping people with the tax area, I was able to communicate with them build a relationship with them um, such that they have confidence in me. And that confidence actually raised my confidence as a professional. And it allowed me to talk to people about their problems. And it was a natural gravitation, if you will. Have the conversation about what their challenges are, find out what their problems, have that personality to where you're talking to them. And it just allowed people to gravitate to you. Now, you probably know I was a an athlete in undergrad where mm-hmm. I played basketball for my university. So that kind of made it a team mindset. I was always willing to find out what's going to make this team work better. So having that made me a little more outgoing than maybe the traditional accountant. So did you grow up in a big family that, that you've always had this natural ability to communicate with others? Or is this something that you've learned over time? I, I would actually answer that with both. I, I came from, I'm the oldest of eight, um, but it was a blended family where it was truly the Brady Bunch in real life. It was <laughs> yours, mine, and ours. <laughs> and that was, that, you know, it was my mom married a gentleman who, had, who ended up being my dad or my stepdad who had three children. And my mom had already had three children. And then they had two more of their own. So I was always kind of the leader of the pack and taking care of the kids and helping with the family and trying to get people to be in line. Uh, and I, I guess that kind of helped in some of the leadership aspects for sure. Absolutely. I think it's some of those things that we learn early in life, especially when we're customer facing, customer focused. I'm Greek. Mm-hmm. So restaurants were my have always been my thing, but growing up in a restaurant, I, I worked at like 12 years old and I came to realize if I can make them laugh, and have some fun with them, uh-huh. and, and, that they would give me larger tips. And the more <laughs> that I did that, you know, and I, you know, I had somebody say that I was gregarious. Uh-huh. I had to look it up, but then I went back to thank them later. So I appreciate that. Uh-huh. And I, you know, it, it was just my background. And when I went into public accounting at Price Waterhouse, all the uh-huh. air got sucked out of the office. <laughs> I couldn't breathe. Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. And, and I viewed the way they were communicating with their clients didn't make sense to me. It was completely foreign. It was somewhat robotic in this foreign language of accounting. Uh-huh. And, and I just just never, never really, and I still to some degree don't understand how, how some of these firms continue to survive when they're lacking on those critical, you know, we call them soft skills, but, you know, they're pretty hard to master. They really are. 
I have heard, I have, when I do my leadership aspect of it, most people will say it's our hard skills that gives us that competence, but it's the soft skills that gets you clients, helps you grow, and makes you promotable in terms of career development when you're within a firm. So even though they're soft, they're hard <laughs> to master. Yes, absolutely. So you became the rainmaker, and you, you were mentioning something about a, a very simple system. Yeah. Can, can you share that simple system with me, please? Absolutely. Well, when I work with entrepreneurs, I show them a five-step process of what does it take to have a balanced business practice from a business development standpoint. And we'll talk about five things. I'll talk, talk to them about you have to have some specific goals and there's a system within that. There has to be a marketing strategy and there's a digital system there. But then you have to have a business development or a procuring of clients strategy. And there's a four-step process there. But you also have to deal with customer service and keep your pipelines full. So those are the five things. Mm -hmm. But under business development, it's about making it rain. And that rain is an acronym for build rapport. Peter, you and I have mastered that where we're somewhat charismatic, but I will quickly tell someone, even though that I get the, the label of being charismatic and outgoing, I'm very much the introvert that a traditional accountant would say. I'm very comfortable reading a book, being by myself and doing the heavy lifting in terms of data gathering, et cetera. You obviously did as you prepared for this interview today. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first one is building rapport. Second one is asking specific questions to discover the pain, to discover the problems or the challenges with your client. And then I is implementing solutions to help them alleviate that pain, alleviate those challenges, or have a systematic way of dealing with those challenges. And last but not least is negotiating what is the next step? I take out the trickery or the manipulation of a salesperson and share with them, find out what those problems are, share how we can solve them, and ask that client, what does it take for us to move forward? What do you feel the next step is? And work with them to make them comfortable with that process and then deliver. I love it. As you were just describing that, I went to the fact that I have a business development course and I offered up in Maryland and I had like, 10 people show up, but they, they, here's why they showed up. They said they, they couldn't believe a CPA was doing a business development course. Okay. <laughs> so they wanted to see if this was, was, was real. I'm like, yes. Is, it, is there a joke here? <laughs> I know, exactly. I'm like, no, there's, there's no joke. Uh, and, and we followed those, along those lines of those same steps. But the one roadblock I keep running into but with, 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 and, and discussing business development with CPAs, you just uh -huh. said the, the dreaded word of negotiation. It's almost reminds me that like the commercial that, you know, not, we don't want you to be your parents. And uh -huh. going, okay, time to open a PDF. Who wants to open a PDF? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's how it seems like with the when the word negotiation comes up. I imagine yeah. we run into that all the time. Absolutely. And what if we took the negotiating out of it? And what if when we get to that point where they know what we're about, or more specifically, we have a better understanding of what their challenges are and what their problem is. 
And in our menu of all the things that we can do, we have isolated the two or three things that we can do on their behalf to move forward. The negotiation is simply, let's lay that on the table, tell them how we can implement it, and find out if it will work for them. And, and it could be the maturity of your business or the maturity of the presenter. Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, it's like, if I've laid that out and I have a solid solution for you, I'm not going to try to trick you into doing business. There has to be a comfort level with you and me so that we can actually move forward and you feel as though we're going to solve that challenge. And literally, if that, if that comfort level isn't there, I don't care how much negotiating you're going to do. Peter, can I share with you a quick story? Absolutely. I accidentally <laughs> became uh, an expert in rainmaking. And I say that because I, when I had my accounting practice, I encountered a gentleman by the name of Walter Haley. Walter was an older gentleman. I guess I was in my mid-30s at the time, and Walter was early 80s. And he shared he started selling from when he was a child. He started selling flour, like Pillsbury flour, door to door. Yeah. Then he started selling insurance door to door. Well, fast forward, he sold so much insurance that he bought the insurance company that he worked for. And then he went about trying to find a buyer for that. And he found a buyer. Do you remember the old Kmarts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He sold his business to Kmart for about $78 million. And what Walter would say, that's when that was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but Walter said that his closing line was, he had spent three months finding out what they needed, asking questions, finding out who the influencers are, shifting his business model to marry up with Kmart. And then he put it in a fashion and presented it to him to say, okay, my employee benefits insurance company is now perfect fit for what you're looking for. When's a good time to start? We can start in three months. We can start at the beginning of the year. You tell me what works best for you. And he says, that was my whole negotiating and my whole closing statement. And $78 million later, he started helping other people have that mindset. So what I hear, and I wrote this down as you're describing, basically Walter knew his audience. Critical. And Walter did his, and you said, did his research. Absolutely. And he knew the questions to ask, and he knew when to, lack of a better term, shut up and listen. Because <laughs> a lot of times we come in with this ammunition and the person is talking and we're really not listening because we're, we're playing around in the back of our head what else we're going to say. Exactly. And, and we miss stuff. And he, he negotiated in a way that he knew them inside out, upside down. And I love that story because of the amount of detail that he put into understanding and knowing his audience. And, and really, if you're not willing to put in the heavy lifting, that's what I consider the heavy lifting or the technical part of finding out what are, what are the challenges that this person is bringing to the table. And even with my entire menu of all the things I can do, there's probably about two, three, four, usually max, of critical components of what you can do that's going to work for them and solve their problem. So rather than give them the whole menu, 
I mean, I love Greek food, so that you took me to that whole restaurant thing. And share instead of sharing the entire menu, say, you know, based on what you're telling me you like, these are the top three or four things that could really make you happy tonight. And find out which one is going to work or combination right. is going to work best for them. And then just shut up. Yeah, I tell a story that well, it's more of a, a fictitious story, but it's a combination of a lot of different stories about a CPA walks into this client, CFO, mm -hmm. and asks him, how can I help you? And the CFO was kind of telling the story, everything that they, and then when he starts with here, I've got something for you right here. Mm -hmm. but what, they, what they're pulling out has nothing to do with what the guy just, or she said. Absolutely. It's just, it's just, I came in here because we got this new product that I want to try to sell you without listening and understand this isn't what he needs. He needs something over here. Absolutely. You may not have it, but you know someone who does that you can refer them to. Uh -huh. And you lose that credibility right at that point because the CFO knows they didn't hear a word I said. Exactly. Because, and as a matter of fact, you know, we as humans have that magic space in between the stimulus or that conversation or the question and how we respond. And if we respond in your story by reaching in our back pocket and bringing out one thing that we had brought ahead of time, they know that, again, we weren't listening. Sales really is about, and business development is about that 80-20, that old Pareto rule. 80% of the time you should be listening. 20% of the time you're primarily asking questions to help you with the research that you've done to make sure that you're on the right track. And then when you have that marriage, put together a proposal that's going to satisfy what their true needs are. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you and I are talking about like this and it sounds so very simple. I mean, everybody should be able to do this. <laughs> but once again, it's very, very hard. Yeah. So you work with a lot of, of financial service corporations, companies, accounting firms. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you see in today? Have they gotten any better or are people more are you driving more business because now we have the I need this. The technical skills aren't going to get me there. I need the, the ability to communicate mm -hmm. and, and help my clients. So are you getting more of that business from those firms? Yes. And the two words I would I would use that of the reason why people hire me or bring me on more often is what I call revenue drought. And the rainmaker is, is perfect for that challenge. And the revenue drought is you go through some things. It could be a pandemic, it could be a disruption. It could be, we're busy as heck. It could be tax season. Mm -hmm. And because of that, everybody is doing the heavy lifting in terms of tax returns and taking care of clients and doing things. And all of a sudden in that space, we have a lot of revenue coming in, but then we're going to have our pipeline is going to be empty at the end of taxes. So what I'm trying to do is get, help firms recognize that the more people that we can have with the mindset of having antennas up looking for the challenges our clients have and challenges that we can either help them with or, as you shared, Peter, we may not be the solution, but we may know someone who is that solution. And with that, be a resource for them to solve whatever their challenge may be. So let me ask you this question. Uh, you know, I've kind of skirted around it a little bit. I just dawned on me. I think another challenge that 
financial professionals, those who are very technically sound have, is the fact they don't realize they speak a foreign language. And they're not good translators of the foreign language. They think everybody should know what amortization is. Oh, no, yeah. depreciation. Yeah, I know what that is. That's the value I lose in my car when I drive off the new car. Like, no, no, no. That's a systematic allocation of an asset over. <laughs> <laughs> it's this language gap that we have. Yeah, there is a language gap. And it's a matter of tr sometimes because of our education, we want people to know how bright we are. Yeah. And we'll use a let's just say a higher level of vocabulary than necessary to translate our knowledge to some knowledge they can use. And to use your words, we want to simplify it, what we're saying so that anyone can understand it. And if we do that, all of a sudden they're saying, wow, I like you. You make all this difficult stuff easy for me to understand. And if I can understand it and I can use it, and it'll help me with my business. And it goes back to knowing your audience, knowing your audience. Okay, the CFO, I can probably communicate with. Uh-huh. But maybe not the CEO. Maybe yeah. not somebody else in the organization. Right. And understanding that, okay, I can use these technical terms around the CFO, but if I've got to talk to a controller or a staff account or somebody over in sales, I can't use that same language. I have to use a, a different language because even though we know accounting, just because I can yell out an asset, <laughs> you know, just to make him understand that, that doesn't work. We have to put yeah. it in, in that context. Absolutely. You know, I, I liken it to, what was it, um, Guy Kawasaki? Yeah. Where he, he goes through his rich dad, poor dad conversation. And what we have traditionally saw as assets and liabilities versus a revenue asset, it becomes a whole different language. It's like, wow, that car we have isn't an asset, it's a liability going down the street, mm -hmm. as opposed to a building we have that we may rent, all of a sudden is an asset because it has, it can generate revenue. And if I work it right, it generates revenue and develops wealth for me. And if we have the right vernacular when we're talking to them, and if we like, again, as you mentioned, Peter, if we know our audience so that we can share that similar situation or a common story so that it makes it clear how important those things that we're trying to teach are to them. It does make us seem smarter because we're able to help them with the transition or that bridge from their thinking to the thinking in the financial situation. And you said something very important. An asset is there to drive revenue. Mm -hmm. But in order to drive revenue, it has to be expense first. True. Has to be expensive first. So well, a restaurant, the, their assets are the food that they have, the inventory uh -huh. that they have. And it takes somebody to come into the restaurant to consume that food to turn it into revenue. Right. And <laughs> this is a trick question, by the way. What is the sound that revenue makes? When, uh, when, we, when, we, we, put, when we generate revenue, is there a sound associated with it? That generation? The cha-ching? The cha-ching. Actually, that's, as I said, it was a trick question. That's okay. quite true. The, the revenue makes the sound of the people eating the food. It makes uh, the sound uh. of the snip step of cutting hair. The cha-ching is when we put the cash in the register. As a result of, of attracting them into the restaurant. Right. And, and okay. it's, that, it's that cash is really the cha-ching, and the cash is a major asset that you know we, we want. And not all the times, because of the way accounting is, an accrual-based accounting, 
some of that that we see on the income statement is not cash. Right. So a, a profit, and I think that's the other aspect. Well, we got we got ten million dollars in profit. That must mean we have ten million dollars. Uh, mm. Not quite. <laughs> not not necessarily. Not necessarily. When I was in, in banking, my as a commercial lender, my VP of lending, cash is king. Cash yeah. pays us back. I don't care about anything else. Figure out the cash. Yeah. As we think about that, looking at our clients and having them understand, you know, their cl- their customers, their clients, I think it comes back to somebody that basic thought process. Yeah. You know, I like the thought you put in my head in terms of what noise does an asset make or what no, when do you know that you're having revenue? Right. And if I use your own metaphor, if you will, mm-hmm. for the restaurant, it's the noise coming from customers out there. And if you have a quiet restaurant, you know the revenue is not quite going to hit the cash account. But it's that noise and that laughter, that smiling people coming in, people greeting, people talking. Now you know that you have something that you're able to leverage that will become your revenue. And during a pandemic, that sound is the phone ringing. Mm-hmm. The sound is the ding of the online order coming through. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's certain noises, you know, even, even like a hair salon. Uh-huh. You're hearing people talk, but if there's nobody in there. Yeah. There's nothing happening. There's there's nothing going into uh, into the cash register. Well, you know, that's a really critical one too, Peter, because with a disruption, Mm -hmm. if you will, it becomes very important to know how do I pivot to the sound that's going to create revenue? How do I pivot to a different way of doing business? Restaurant industry took a major hit during this last pandemic. And with that pandemic, it's like, okay, how can I shift the thinking from people being inside the restaurant to people ringing our phone or doing something online and making ourselves available to make it easier for them to get their needs met at the same time honoring the fact that they don't want to be inside a restaurant. Right. I I think a lot of times, we, especially during a crisis, we tend to look inward instead of looking outward. Mm. How is this affecting me? I, I get that aspect of it. Now, what do I need to cut my cost? I understand that piece, but you know the best way to uh, you know manage your costs is drive revenue, Mister Raymaker. Is that not true? Absolutely, <laughs> um, absolutely. But I mean, and, and you're right. People do think inward. Oh my God, it's going to really crush my business. As opposed to shifting your thinking, as what can I do now that's going to help my clients out there. I, such that they're more comfortable, they're easier for me to serve. And it's like, how can we serve our customers in a different way and still keep them happy, even with that shift, that pivot that was necessary? There's a firm in Maryland that when this all went down and then these relief packages were coming out Mm -hmm. and nobody knew what anything to do, they took it upon themselves to become the expert in it and we're actually helping the bankers, mm-hmm. actually helping their clients. And I don't believe they were really charging anything. They just felt that this was a service that they were going to provide. Right. And they got out in front of it immediately. And the amount of goodwill 
an amount of goodwill. And, and, and that is probably the best marketing they've ever done. And be, doing the right thing, helping the clients not and not building for it, just so they can manage the, the tsunami of paperwork that the SBA uh-huh. was putting uh-huh. out there. <laughs> Absolutely. That reminded me of another story, Peter. And it was a dry cleaner out of um, California. Um, a colleague of ours, um, Dan Burris, shared this where there was a, they were ready to shut their doors when the pandemic hit. And then they realized that who, because everybody going to work was not getting their things dry clean or et cetera, but people still needed things clean, especially the first responders. So finally, they said, let's go to the first responders and do it for free. Let's go to the local hospital, local fire um, departments, and give us your stuff. We'll have them ready for you tomorrow. And the next is logistics. They actually reached out. Since they didn't have a delivery method, they reached out and partnered with Uber. And Uber would go and pick up those garments, have them at their, their laundry Matt, so that they can get things out to them fast. And then all of a sudden, by word of mouth, they were the go-to cleaners to work with to get everything clean and back into their hands. So they went from almost going out of business to exponentially growing their business just by pivoting in the right direction. I love that story. That is, and the part, we're going to do this for free. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, I, there, there's some people in, in NSA who felt like during the pandemic, we still had to go and sell hard. And yeah. There was another faction who said, no, I'm going to go off for a service. I'm not even going to charge that, that yeah. same piece. I was on the, I'm not going to charge. How can I help? Uh-huh. A lot of people didn't know how to work Zoom or questions. And I just made myself out there as a resource. And, and uh, exactly. Never thought about charging. But that still builds up capital after. and the major park is passed, you're, you're automatically in your head, and excuse me, automatically in their head when something comes up, oh, I need to call Ed. Yeah. Boom. Uh, uh, you know, a, from an accounting standpoint, you're saying that you build goodwill or future capital. Yeah. By servicing people. That's, that's the greatest definition of what goodwill is. So, because some people was like, what do you mean goodwill? Where does that get on my balance sheet, right? That's when you're creating that level of service where people get the fact that you're out there serving people, that goodwill has really been. And I've been in business for going on my third decade. So, I've seen several disruptions, Mm -hmm. and the people who survive disruptions are the people who have a great relationship with their clients or future clients. It gives them the staying power necessary to go to get through those tough times. So I think a challenge that the accounting profession has, especially public accounting, you, know, you mentioned the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. And you know, 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your clients. Correct. Right. Are you really focused on that 20%? If you're not, then you've got to refocus. There's your bread and butter. And there's a lot of little things out there that don't require as much focus, but they make a lot of noise. Yeah. <laughs> they want yes, your attention. They do. Yes, but, they do. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's a challenge uh, uh, that all businesses have. 
is getting distracted by the, the loud noise that, you know, that's not part of my, my bread and butter. Let me give you a, a, an add on to that. Okay. And, and you're right. 80% of the revenue that people get will come from 20% of the people they know. But here's another percentage statistic. 90% of your growth going into the next year are coming from people you haven't met before. Therefore, you have to have a methodology to not only serve people well, but to have them leverage you in so that other people know what you do. If we just service the ones that we have been serving, yeah, it'll give us an uptick mm-hmm. in revenue. But then if we service them and we leverage that service, it gives, brings in that 90% of that growth factor to allow us to continue to grow. And I feel no matter how long you've been in business, most entrepreneurs, most business owners, most practitioners want to grow so that not just maintaining the status quo, but by growth, it means that we're actually putting in the effort to continually create an excellent product or service that people want. So you're saying that about that 90% is the additional services that we can provide our, our customers, as well as servicing them well, where now they become a wonderful referral service for our company? You hit the, you hit the nail on the head. And that referrals, they become a referral source. Other people have a better understanding of who we are other than those. I mean, think about it. If your customers don't know what you're doing, we're, we're in deep trouble. But if we are very good at teaching, taking good care of our customers, they're going to be that army out there helping other people get a better understanding of what Peter does and therefore create a level of attraction to you and increase the revenue for people you don't know today. I asked the question to groups, you know, we'll take farms. You're no different than the other farms out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, in February, I guess some time ago, the grocery store, there's Clorox, there's cheer, there's all these detergents. They all do the same thing, uh-huh. but they're different, different price points. So why do you pick one over the other? And then I go, so you get audit, tax, consulting, all this, you all the same. What makes you different? And it comes out of one thing, people. Absolutely. The people that there's, you hire. There's a question I ask people. It's very similar to what you just shared, Peter. And the question is simply, what do you give clients that they can't get anywhere else? Yeah, they can go other places and getting financial help. They can get advice. They can do. The one thing that they can't get anywhere else is you and your team. Right. So that team has to be very cognizant of the relationship that they're starting to build. And that building is on purpose. But at the same time, it's transparent in that it's authentic. I truly am interested in who you are and what you do so I can help you grow and continue the growth of my own firm. Yes. And do you subscribe to this philosophy? I think Branson, Richard Branson has been quoted saying it. See, he doesn't really pay attention to his customers. He pays more attention to the people that he hires. If he hires the right people, mm-hmm. they will take care of their customers. Yeah. I, I am, I'm a big believer of that. I'm trying to think of the fast food restaurant that says, oh, I can't remember exactly, but it's like, we hire, we don't train our people, we hire good people. 
And because they're good genuinely and authentically and transparently, it makes it easy for them to reflect that as they're moving forward. So, you know, we can go into an HR concept where a lot of your growth is based on the people you hire. They have to be very customer-centric for them to build a relationship with your existing and future clients so that it can continue the growth of your organization. Absolutely. Share this one quick story. Sometimes I'll ask the audience, what business are you in? You know, financial services. No, that's not the business you're in. What business are Auditing. No, no, that's not the business. That's a byproduct. Taxes. And I get them to the point that I'm, there's a few CPAs who want to come up and punch me in the nose. <laughs> then I go, okay. you're in the business that everybody in this room is in is the people business. First and foremost, yes. take care yeah. of your people. They will drive your business. Treat them like they're a number and your business will deteriorate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've had a few people challenge me over the years. Uh-huh. Uh, but th- that's okay. I, I, you know, I like that. But without people, we have no business. And absolutely. And, you know, I, I've often said there's three S's in success. You have to have a strategy to grow and to work with folks. The second S is not only do you have a strategy, but a systematic way to get things done. And then it allows you to be scalable. Now, if I have to monitor what everyone's doing and I'm not hiring really good people and recognizing that it's the good people that are going to take good care of my customers, then it makes it almost impossible for me to scale my business. If I have to do everything, that means there's something I'm not sharing as I'm developing leaders. Peter, I think the other thing that you know I do is help people in the leadership area. Right. And I, I see often where you have people who are in charge of a lot of people are worried about who they're taking care of. And at the same time of taking care of those people, meaning their customers or their clients, mm-hmm. they're ignoring their employees. And it's not a catch-22. It's like, if you're not taking care of your employees, recognize that your customers are going to suffer. There's no way if you're not taking care of that employee as your customer, your internal customer, they're going to service your external customer well. I, two words just popped into my head, and it's, it picks up what we're talking about just where you moved into the leadership, but it covers both respect and trust. Mm. How much do you respect your people? How much do you trust your people? Absolutely. And, and as long, if you have a high level of respect and a high level of trust, things will work well. But if you don't, Mm-hmm. they're going to leave. Well, I, I think that becomes very transparent. Mm-hmm. If I don't respect you, eventually I don't have, you will not have a comfort level in working with me. And therefore you'll eventually step away. It's really like a, a marriage or a relationship. There has to be a mutual respect. I remember years ago, there was a song by Teddy Pendergrass. I want a 50-50 relationship where I'm not giving 80 and you're giving 20 or you're not giving 70 and I'm giving 30. We're 50-50 where we're both giving and both trying to serve each other. And when we serve each other, we're 100% about each other and we're going to move forward. When a client and a service provider are 
have that 50-50 thing. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to help you. I think the customer sees that. And because of that trust, I have loyalty and I have stick, stick-to-itiveness to stay with you for a long time. Absolutely. Uh, and I could go down 15 stories right now <laughs> based on that, but I, I, will, I will save that for another time. Some parting last words. What, what advice would you give the audience? And we spend a lot of time on the, the rainmaking aspect of it. What advice would you give someone who's listened to this? And, and mom, this is not for you. So I, I took one <laughs> listener out <laughs> on what they need to do to be a better person at developing business. Be very cognizant of what your customer is looking for. And Peter, you really shared it. What business are we in? It's the people business. Do we take time to reach out and find out not just what they need from a business aspect, but what they need from a human aspect? What is it that I can do to help people? And I'll I'll go to the accountant or the professional service realm. Most of us are well-connected with other people we know and other people we we do business with. So if someone has a challenge, and if I, let's use the pandemic, for instance, if I can pick up the phone and call all my clients and without asking for business to just say, hey, how's it going? How has it impacted you? What's your biggest challenge moving forward? Oh, you know, I know someone who can help you in that. Let me connect you and see if we can resolve that. Man, there's that goodwill again, Peter. So one of the things is take the time to appreciate other people. Take the time to understand where they're coming from. And that genuine caring, that transparency and authenticness in building a relationship is going to take you a long way. Man, what a way to end an episode. And I, 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 you know, I, I could seriously go another hour or so talking with you because we share a lot of thought, same thoughts, but I can't thank you enough for taking time out. This has been absolutely outstanding. Uh, how can people find you? Um, I, I can be reached. My, my website is edspeaks.com, and I can be reached at ed at edspeaks.com. If anybody is interested or would like some time to talk, all you have to do is refer to this show. And we can take 15, 20 minutes and we can talk about how you too could be a rainmaker in your business. And, and you're on social media. I know you're on LinkedIn, so they can find you there. So just- Yeah, LinkedIn, Facebook. I spend more time on LinkedIn than I do Facebook, but um, that and email, um, I, I have a Twitter account. All the things that we do in business, but I spend most of my time in LinkedIn because it's more of a business to business type of modem. And quite frankly, I'm more comfortable there. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I spend more time there, less time on Facebook and the, and the other, but I have a presence. So thank you so very much. I can't wait till we actually can see each other face to face. Yes. And have an adult beverage soon. That, that would be wonderful. <laughs> way overdue, Peter. It's way overdue. Absolutely way overdue. And actually, we should be doing it this weekend. I think at winter conference, but it's right. remote. So, well, hopefully by this summer, I'm keeping my eyes crossed. That would be great. Good luck and God bless you, Peter. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. This has been absolutely fabulous. 
I can't thank Ed enough for sharing his tips and techniques about selling and his thoughts on leadership. I hope you all picked up several nuggets in this interview like I did. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Remember to subscribe and to share this podcast episode with a friend. I will conclude this episode with an improv quote that is fitting for this interview. Listening is not merely hearing. Listening is reacting. Listening is being affected by what you hear. Listening is active. And remember, be positive, test negative. Stay safe. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.